Thank you. Good morning. Oh, love it. My pulpit is coming to me. And, uh, you know, this morning, I, I was a little bit ADD this morning. Um, it, was, it was a lot of fun, but it, it kicked off. I looked up, and there was a surfer who tried to ride over me yesterday. And then from there, my brain just went in all kinds of tangential ways. But um, you're in the 10 a.m. service, so you'll get a decent service. But uh, it, we, we're doing this series called Back to the Future. We're looking at the book of Acts. And, um, and as you look back to the book of Acts, you start to get the picture of what church should look like for the future. And I think today is Pentecost Sunday. Is today Pentecost? Yeah. So, so today is going to be, uh, it's going to be as Christianese as we do at Olive Tree. Like, it's just going to be ready for Christians. And if you're not a Christian, I'm going to beat you with the Bible. And uh, I, I, I just, yeah, sorry. Uh, but today is really going to be about the things of the Holy Spirit and, and what God wants to do in our midst. Now, before we, we get into the sermon, um, I just want to celebrate some things. Like, I know a lot of you, you're new to this church um, but Justy started singing a song in the middle there, uh, and there were no words. The reason there were no words is because of his song, and it hasn't really come live. And uh, the song cost him. It was a song, song of his story and how God gave him freedom. And then just kind of so that you know where the service is going, um, a lady, legs over there, she came up to me, and she doesn't know what I'm going to preach about. I'm about to preach about freedom, and she, sends, she says, she writes this thing for me, there is freedom in Jesus, salvation is in Jesus, and she drew a picture of a, a bird cage, and she said, the door is Jesus, and Jesus wants people to be free. So just so you know, like, gifts are working, and, and so the service might go, chung, 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 but it will land up, if you have faith for it, in you being freed. And so I want to just start the service with that. But, but before we get into what I'm going to preach about, there is a lady, Estelle, over there who just rocks this place. You know, right the way, you, know, you can clap for her if you want to. But uh, there is, she leads ladies' ministry. Well done yesterday. Apparently had incredible testimonies. There was a power of God in, in our ladies' meeting. And, um, you know, when you read the book of Acts, you read again and again, this person filled with the Holy Spirit, or this person full of the Holy Spirit, did this, that, and the next thing. Estelle, full of the Holy Spirit, just seems to go around doing stuff for God. So I want you to watch this, and then I'll, I'll get back to preaching and uh, enjoy this. I know that in this season, the Holy Spirit wants to set the captives free. Jesus really has come, first of all, to save us, and that is our first and most biggest miracle. But secondly, for us to have that abundant life. And that's abundant life free of torment, free of pain, free of guilt, free of shame, so that we can really enjoy the fullness of Him and enjoy what He's called for us to do and enjoy to have all the, the, the blessings that He's got for us. And um, that this freedom doesn't always have to look like something dramatic. It doesn't always have to look like something scary. It could be something really light and full of fun. And I'll tell you a story about Peter, my husband. He did give me permission so I can speak of him, of how much fun it can be. Uh, there was a time that whenever we used to pray, Peter would yawn. And uh, we just thought, this is really odd. And my one friend says, no, Bruce, seriously, you can't be yawning every time we want to pray. And he just said to him, Spirit of lethargy, be loosed in him, in Jesus' name. 
and the yawning stopped. But it doesn't yawn anymore. <laughs> and of course, we all had a good laugh. And at another uh, opportunity where Peter was always uh, swearing a lot, and I think it's just from the, the business that he used to be in, it was just a normal way of talking to him. And my friend again says, you know what, your, your language, please, your language. <laughs> and Peter was laughing, of course, and he says, come, let me pray for you. Stick out your tongue. And then he got some anointing oil and he grabbed his tongue with the anointing oil on it. And he just said, spirit of profanity, be loosed in him, in Jesus' name. And Peter didn't swear anymore. He had that bad taste in his mouth from the anointing oil. <laughs> But he quickly got over it. So that is what the freedom that the Lord wants us to move in, you know. Uh, half half of the time, there, there's no radical evidence or physical reaction when we pray for somebody to be free. And when somebody needs to be free, it's not that they can't pray for their own freedom. It is just that they normally at that point, they are so down and so worn out that they almost can't see their way through. They can't see their way out and they can't understand why am I battling with this thing? I just don't know how to be free from it. So what we really is just to be there for each other and just say, come, I'll pray for you. Let me help you out of this and just take authority of that thing and say, you know what? This is not from God. This must go because you need to be free. There's way more better life for you out there than to be battling with this kind of thing. I want to tell you of a friend of mine who got, went through a very messy divorce and she was very hurt by it. And um, she phoned me and she said, I, I really am just battling with this anger. I just can't seem to give it up and, and it's really ruining me. I'm so unhappy. I'm, I'm becoming so bitter, this bitter person I don't want to be. So I said, well, why don't you come and we just pray? And the fact that she came, I knew that she meant business. She was tired of being the way she was. And uh, as she sat down, I said, well, you, are you willing to forgive your husband? And in that moment, the tears just rolled down her face. And she forgave her husband. She forgave everybody that judged her, everybody that spoke ill of her. And we started to pray. And I said, come, let's pray. And the Holy Spirit came and filled her. And he filled her to such a degree that she just started flowing in tongues. And you know, that is just out of the overflow of when he plucks out that shame, when he plucks out that anger, when he plucks out that guilt, he comes and takes its place. And he comes in a full measure. And he comes to restore and refresh and make new. And when he's so full, the fullness of him then started flowing out of her. And that is really the evidence that we saw. She left here on such a high. She was in such a good mood. <laughs> and I spoke to her too a couple of weeks after. She said, no, I'm still so happy. I've still got the joy of the Lord in me. Everything's so different. Life is so different. So uh, two or three months went on and about uh, Friday a week ago, I thought, let me just check and see how she's doing. How are you doing, friend? I'm thinking of you. And she says, no, I'm so full of the joy of the Lord. I, I'm like really loving God. I'm enjoying his presence. But please, won't you come pray for my business? So I said, yes, of course I will. She said, I really need breakthrough in my business. So I said, okay, I'll go on Tuesday. And I got there on Tuesday and we chatted about business a little bit, had a bit of coffee. And she says, come, let's pray. So she took me through to another room. And in this other room, it was an open plan office. There were about four or five desks. She had called all her staff in the business, the packers, the machinists, the, the designers, the accountants, the tea lady, everybody. All people were lined up all around the end of this big room. And uh, I just prayed for God to bless them. Open the floodgates of heaven, bless what they put their hands to, give them wisdom, give them discernment, protect them as they come and go, protect their families. And, uh, and it wasn't a long prayer. And after I said, Amen, in that moment, I just thought to tell them that Jesus says, you must be born again. 
And I explained very briefly what it is to be born again, is to invite him into your heart and make him Lord of your life. He will forgive your sins. And should anything happen to you, you will spend eternity with him in heaven. And I had said, well, who of you want to give their life to Jesus right now? Do you want to invite him into your heart? And two thirds of the people all raised their hands. And they stood there with their hands raised. And I was just, wow, Lord. I expected one hand, two, maybe three. I said, close your eyes and we prayed prayer of salvation, which wasn't long. And um, straight afterwards, I just saw tears running down people's faces as the Holy Spirit was ministering to them. And then they started lining up for prayer. The first lady we prayed for, she had lost two children this year. And she had a lot of grief in her heart. And the Holy Spirit just delivered her of it. As he touched her, her whole body was trembling. You could see the presence of God on her. And I look up at my friend standing behind her. She's crying. The lady is waiting for more prayer. She's crying. The one behind her is crying. The Holy Spirit just hovering in that office. The next lady came. She wanted healing in her hip. We laid hands on her for healing in her hip. Another young man said, please, can I just shake your hand? I said, yes, of course you can shake my hand, but rather raise your hand and receive. And we started praying for her. And God gave him a word that he's called to bring many to Jesus. And when I left that building, it was probably 10 minutes later, I just said, Lord, what just happened? How incredible are you? You are so willing to come and save, deliver, restore. And it all started by one woman saying, I'm tired of being angry. I'm tired of feeling hurt like this. From her wanting to be free, the Lord is using her in such a way to set so many others free and touch their lives in a radical way. I know that each person in that room will never be the same again. That's the church. You rock. That's, that's what church is about. That's what we're called to be. We're called to be people who bring freedom everywhere. Now I want to talk about how you get freedom. Because um, what you realize when you're a Christian for a while is that there, God wants to bring freedom, but there's a difference between being freed and living free. Jesus puts it this way. He says, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. But then you go down the text a few more lines down, and he says, when the Son of God kind of gets hold of you, you'll be free indeed. There's a difference between being free and being free indeed. Let me try and explain this to you. Do you remember when you first got a paycheck? The first paycheck you ever got? Some of you are like, what's a check? <laughs> I, I literally remember the first paycheck. It said, Terezi Cash Growers. And I, I remember taking it to the bank and depositing it. Some of you... Your first paycheck will be in Bitcoin. But uh, anyway, I, I just, I, I remember that moment. And uh, I remember the joy it gave me. Because, you know, in that moment, I was free. Bye, parents. I can pay my own rent. I, I can pay for my food. And, and then I can start living. That was financial freedom. But, but, on the 24th of the month, I would find out whether I was free indeed or not. <laughs> See, on the 25th, you're all free. But on the 24th, you're only free indeed if you owe no one anything. <laughs> Some of you like, like, eh? 
What's that mean? We have a financial course. We'll help you. But here's, here's the thinking. You can live free from things. I can pray for you, and you can get free from an addiction. You can be freed in that moment from porn. You can get, you can get free from alcoholism. You can get free. But lots of people have experienced a free but they don't live free indeed. So they, they got free. They've been free from alcohol for the last five years, but they can't go to a braai where everybody's drinking. They, they're free because they've got so much software protection on, on their phones and, and computers that a hacker couldn't get into a porn site. But if they're exposed to the wrong thing, they're not free indeed. You can, you can break out of jail free, but you're looking over your shoulder the whole time you're not free indeed. Jesus wants you to be free and free indeed. He wants you to experience something that's grace. Saving grace will make you free. Empowering grace will make you free indeed. One is a gift. When those of you who, um, who, who started work recently, I want to let you in a little secret. When you got your first paycheck, it was a gift. I know you think you're the greatest ad to the company and they are so lucky that they have you. For the first three years, you just cost your company. In fact, the boss is just going, that oak just takes all the money and in three years' time, he'll probably go work for Unilever. It's just like, that's what happens in, in the work environment. I know you don't believe that now. One day you'll be a boss and you'll see this. You got a gift. Salvation, prayer for you, deliverance, those are gifts of freedom. Grace gifts. Empowerment, that costs. See, what I realized in my Christian walk is that my salvation was easy. My sanctification cost me. It's like Jesus says to me, come, come here, Ross. I want to give you a hug. And he's got a knife of the sword of the Spirit ready to cut me in half. He says, come closer. This is Christianity. If you want to live free, it costs. Okay, now most people don't like to hear this. They like to hear that the, the grace is just, it just fills you and God does everything for you and you just rock up and it's beautiful. That's a lie. That's why you have so many Christians going, this Christianity thing doesn't work for me because they don't understand that freedom, living free, costs something. You have to die. So I'm so excited. I'm going to tell you about dying. It's going to be wonderful for you. You're going to be so excited by the end of it. God's grace will come. Hmm. I'm going to show you a text in Acts 9.26. Here's a, here's a setup. This guy Saul is killing Christians everywhere. He gets letters to go kill some more in Damascus. On his way, a bright light shines on him, and he hears this voice, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And, and he says, who are you, Lord? It's not on that text, so you can look at me. Uh, he says, who are you, Lord? And, and Jesus says, it is Jesus who you're persecuting. He's not hurting Jesus. He's hurting Jesus' church. But Jesus takes it personally. It's important. Just keep that in your brain. And then what happens is it says this in Acts 9.26. When Saul arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to meet with the believers, but they were all afraid of him. They did not believe he had truly become a believer. They thought he was a spy. Now let me tell you what's going on, on with Paul right now. He has been heavenly freed. 
He has experienced salvation. A guy, Ananias, has come, laid hands on him. He's been filled with the Holy Spirit. Scales, literal physical scales, have fallen off his eyes. He is now freed, delivered, filled with the Holy Spirit. But the brothers all around him won't let him in. He is positionally free with God. He is experientially not free indeed. They won't let him into the family. Now, this is really important. Because some of the reason that people don't change in Christian circles is they come to church and they hear the pastor saying incredible things about you are a new creation. Your sin has been removed as far as the east is from the west. God has put a new heart inside of you. And then the person who brought them, who has known them for the last 20 years, walks out of them into the coffee area and still looks at them based on the worst thing they did in the worst season of their lives. Some of you like going like this. You, you know... <laughs> This experience. Let me tell you why it's such a big issue. Because the way we are changed is by believing the truth of God. It is very, very difficult to believe a heavenly reality when we're experiencing from the brothers all around us judgment on our earthly failings. Tim likes it. The rest of you will catch up. Let me, let me try and take this a little bit further. There are some people in church who have been coming for years and years and years, and you've been trying to break free from like a bad marriage or a sin cycle or something wrong in your life. And, uh, and you come to church, you try so hard, and then you go back, and it feels like you fail. And I've, I've seen people give up in the process. And often what they don't realize is that there are some other people in the church setting who, when they see them, them, go and talk about them. That's called gossip, slander, judgment. Okay. Understand this. The Bible says that when we criticize or judge one another, because Jesus is a spiritual family, it's like our tongues are a little flame of fire that can set an entire forest aflame. And then James says, and your tongues are set on fire by hell. It's getting hot in here. <laughs> your tongues are set on fire by hell. So, so here's what happens. You look at another Christian, another believer, you slander, gossip, criticize, point out his mistakes, finding nicer and nicer ways to say this. And what you find is someone sitting in the pew who thinks they're fighting an emotional issue with their spouse, and they are, but they're also now fighting a demonic attack from your judgment, and you are the weapon Satan's using to attack them. When the brothers don't accept you in, when the sisters don't accept you in, what they're actually doing when they judge and criticize you, what they're actually doing is crushing the freeing work that God is trying to do in your life, which is why you need a Barnabas. 
You need a Barnabas. Now, I turned 43. Some of you said happy 50th. May God bless you. <laughs> you know, when you turn, when you get into your 40s, I, I remember, you know, you know when you sign up for something and it says how old are you and then it's got that, like you fill in the year. And I remember when that thing first came out and I would go, and, and often I'd go past, I'd have to go back. Yeah, so like it was 2000 and whatever, and 78, boom. Now, I go, and and some of you are laughing at me, but some of you, you can go, go make a sandwich, have a child, come back, oh, there we go. On a, on a bad day, I can look at every single one of those years, and because of the culture we live in that criticizes and judges and cancels culture and like all of that stuff, because of all of that, I can look at every single one of those years and I can point out some failure, some disappointment, some hurt, some betrayal. Some, I, I can look at every single wrong, thing wrong. But when a Barnabas comes into my life, I've got a bunch of Barnabases in my life, I can look back on exactly same, the same events and I can see the renewing, redemptive, beautiful, restoring, strengthening work of Christ and I can see this thread of gold that God is doing in me to create in me something beautiful. You need a Barnabas in your life. And Paul needed a Barnabas to come to the brothers and say, this guy's really changed. You don't just need to have a Barnabas. Church, and I'm, I really am. Today I'm calling you up and out and all kinds of things. I don't mind if this is condemnationary to you. I want to tell you to grow up. Church, we need you to be Barnabases. We need people who are going to stand up and say, this is going to cost me, but I'm going to go fetch that person. I'm going to integrate them into community because a lot of people aren't changing because there are no Barnabases around. Now, understand why there are no Barnabases around. Because being a Barnabas costs, whether it's spiritual family or physical family. I have three children. It took me seven years to have the third. God told me, before I had the first, that I would have three. Three prophets came up to me whilst I was having the first two, saying, you are a three-man family. You, are a, you should have a third child. I see a third child in your life. They just kept prophesying, and people kept telling me, and I knew in my spirit. But when you haven't slept for four years, and you are still changing nappies, and those things, those parasites, they just cost and cost and cost, <laughs> and, uh, and you're disciplining, and you're trying to deal with these oaks left, right, and center. I just went... I went, Holy Spirit speaking to me, and I'm just going, la, 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 I can't hear you, God. It took seven years. It took, it took me to get into the good season. You know, I got free year four. I started sleeping again. But it took another three years till I was free indeed, and I actually liked these creatures that I loved. It was just, it was a, a mission. I understand it costs. Now I'm back in nappies again. But it, it, it costs. But if you don't take the mantle of Barnabas, there will literally be generations that get lost to Christ. Church, we need Barnabases. 
We need people who say, I'll start a life group. I don't really know much, but I'll start a life group to help this person get in. Hey, my life group's already too big, but we'll take another one and we'll have to split it in half. I once had a life group. There were people sitting on the toilet listening to us. It was just like, we need Barnabases in the church. First point is we need Barnabases. Second point. This, This thing goes on and it says this. Then Barnabas brought him to the apostles and told them how Saul had seen the Lord on the way to Damascus and how the Lord had spoken to Saul. He also told them that Saul had preached boldly in the name of Jesus in Damascus. So Saul stayed with the apostles and went all around Jerusalem with them, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. He debated with some Greek-speaking Jews, but they tried to murder him. That didn't go well. That's when your sermon's really bad. When the believers and brothers heard about this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him away to Tarsus, his hometown. First point, he needed a Barnabas so that he could get into spiritual family. Second point, to be free, it would cost him. You know that, um, that when Saul, it, it says that Saul was, he was saved And then God sends Ananias to pray for him. And then it says he was baptized, got some food, and the very next line says he began preaching. Now, the moment Paul began preaching, people don't understand this, but historians will tell you that it is likely that he was married and his wife left him. The moment he started preaching. The moment he started preaching, his income dried up. The moment he started preaching, he lost his status in rabbinical society. The moment he started preaching, everything that had shaped him, his identity, his reputation was just taken away from him. It cost him. If you want to be free indeed, it will cost you. If you want to live full of the Holy Spirit, it will cost you. You've got got to know this on the front end. It's going to cost you. Now, I want to also submit this to you, that anything good in your life is going to cost you. In fact, life is going to cost you. Getting great health is going to cost you. Not getting great health is going to cost you. It's just which end are you going to put it on? Financial freedom is going to cost you, no financial freedom is going to cost you. What the Bible calls us to do is to put the freedom on the front end. Let it cost you on the front end. I was uh, at a friend's house the other day, and he has two incredible kids, and I'm in nappies. And I realized this dude is free indeed. I'm still trying to be free, but he is free indeed. Here's how I know he's free indeed. Because his kids love Jesus, and uh, his kids are getting married, it looks like, to two awesome people. And these kids have got great careers, and these kids want to be with him. Now, as a parent, some of you don't care about this, but as a parent, here's your greatest goal. That when you set your kids free, When you raise up your children to be semi-responsible adults, they will want to come back to you. This is your goal. 
Some of you, this is not your goal. Your goal is just get those oaks out of here, go overseas, bye. <laughs> but but it's, it's our goal. We, we want to raise them up to love God, to, to get good jobs, make a difference in society, and want to be with us. That's, that's the goal. He is free indeed. I'm in nappies. And I started thinking about the cost that he paid that I was about to pay. The cost is this. That at night when I want to veg, I get, get up from my vegetable state and I, I grab the Bible and I start reading to my kids. The cost is that I bless them and I discipline them. The cost is that when they go to certain houses and the parents are allowing them to do stuff that I don't, don't dig, I say to the parents, please don't. I'm a pastor. You just got to be nice and kind of clean with my kids. I have to have the confrontations. I have to choose the hard conversations. In fact, my kids didn't want to come to kids' church this morning. So I said to Gracie, my baby girl, people died to spread the message of Jesus Christ, and you want to sit at home. Anyway, I, my wife told me I was a little bit too hardcore, so we're going we're gonna to down it a little bit. But it's going to cost it costs to envision your kids. It costs to keep going like this. It costs to discipline them. It costs to allow them to experience consequences that are going to hurt them. It costs. And this guy had done it, and he was free indeed, and I, was about, I am about to pay a lot of cost. So they get their first job and pay for their own cost. You think about marriage. You want a free indeed marriage? The cost actually starts before you get married. It starts by you choosing the person with character instead of the person who looks hot. It, it starts when you go, no, I'm not going to do that even though everybody else is doing it. I'm going to do this. But you want great marriage? It's, it's going to cost you maybe on the back end. I want to say this to men especially. If you're in trouble, because there's, there's that moment in marriage, you guys know where it is, where flowers and roses, I mean, flowers and chocolates aren't going to fix it anymore. Some of you are there, that's why you're looking so sad. And some of you ladies are going, no, no, flowers and chocolates will sort it out every time. But, but here's the thing, you, you get to the space where now you need to change. You don't need to panel beat, you need to change. And what that means is that you're going to have to go to the counselor, to the pastor, to the psychologist, whatever you're going to go to, whether she comes or not, to change you for the sake of the marriage. You're going to have to lay down your life, whether, whether she's responding or not. You know, most divorces that I see, this is what the guy does. Ross, I messed up over there. I said sorry. I said sorry again. I tried to change. I did this differently. I, I, for six months, Ross, six months, I served her. Now I'm done. <laughs> Friends, it's like we've got this thing in our brain that you can microwave stuff right. But if you want free indeed, it's going to cost but a marriage that's flying, my wife was here just now, that, that, man, I would go through all of that counseling times 
10. I had more counseling than most of you. I would go through that again and again and again to be free indeed. And Jesus wants free indeed for you. But it's going to cost. Being filled, being prayed for, to be filled with the Holy Spirit costs you nothing. But waking up in the morning and going, Holy Spirit, fill me this day. I submit my life to you. What do you want me to do today? That's called laying down your life. That is, that is going to cost you. But it's worth it. Now, you know, I was, I was preparing this message. And often when I'm preparing this message, I kind of know where God's going to lead it. Sometimes I prepare a message. I have no idea where this thing's going. But I felt when I was preparing this message, God said to me, there are some people who have been paying a cost, but they're not free indeed yet. You've been tithing and sacrificing, but you're not free indeed financially yet. You've been waking up early to be with the Lord when you wanted to sleep, but you're not on fire free indeed yet. You've been doing the right thing, refusing to gossip, walking away from the temptation, but you're not free indeed yet. You're getting knocked down, but getting back up again, doing the right thing. You've been hurt and betrayed and feeling rejected and looked over, and everything around you feels like a failure. But I felt like God said, you don't see the gold that I'm putting into your soul. You're still in the nappy stage, but your kids are going to come home soon. You're still on the chipping block, but my grace is forming my son in you. You think I'm trying to hurt you, but I'm in the process of really freeing you. You're worried about retirement, but I'm preparing you to be rewarded on judgment day. You think you've failed and missed your chance, but I can replenish in a moment what you couldn't build in your entire lifetime. You think I've taken away everything you desire, I want you to know that I'm preparing you to be able to handle what you really desire. I'm making you free indeed. There are some people you wanting to give up, and I want to say to you today, the cage is going to open. It'll be Jesus. He's making you free indeed. You don't give up, because once you have endured a little while, winds of refreshing begin to come, and you start to see that Christ is being formed in you. And some of you, your spirits are actually getting set alight right now. Christ is being formed within you. He is wanting to take you, and he's wanting to take how you think life should be, and, and the beauty that you think and the hopelessness that you have that because it's been crushed and he's trying to go, no, I want you to see me formed in you, the life that you actually want in your spirit. It is, it's starting. I feel like God's saying, just keep trusting. Just take another step because I have free indeed for you. Right now you're fighting for free, but I have free indeed for you. I asked Justy to sing that song. Now, he wrote this song during a season of his life where it didn't feel free indeed. It felt hopeless and sore. And he began to sing about the faithfulness of God. And I watched his, I watched his whole demeanor change. This man, guys, you don't understand. Worship like this doesn't come from good musicians. Lots of people come to me and say, oh, Ross, you've got lots of good musicians. No, we have a worship leader who sacrificed his life for the kingdom. 
and worship flows out of that. When he started singing this song, I watched my spirit and other spirits start to get filled with hope. I want to say to you, Jesus wants to put hope in you again. He wants to form his son in you. He wants you to live full of the Holy Spirit. He wants you to be free indeed. But it's going to cost you. A little girl came and asked me to pray for her this morning. She'd uh, had some Dorfie break up with her because she was beautiful in spirit and face, and she was just lovely. I thought to myself, what kind of idiot did that? <laughs> He's probably in our church, sorry. <laughs> and I said to her, what lie did you believe after he broke up with you? And she said to me, I believed that I wasn't good enough for him. And I said, I want you to ask the Holy Spirit why he wasn't right for you. She's like, huh? I said, just ask. And she said to me, I felt like the Holy Spirit said to me, because I stopped shining when I was with him. was going on there shame was on her shame is on some of you and when God spoke truth into her she got free and as she declares that truth over herself she will be free indeed and God wants some people here to be free indeed but what's happened from the brothers and what's happened from life has made you unfree you're in shame you're in bondage and God wants to set you free today there's a there's a sportsman here unbelievably talented for certain reasons hasn't made a team And uh, the disappointment and pain are so, so strong. But uh, if that person could see what God has done in him, he would understand that this actually doesn't matter that much. Friends, he is faithful. He's your comforter. He's your friend. He wants to fill you with the Holy Spirit, but on his terms. He will do a great thing in you. But he has a goal for your life that exists in eternity and it's a lot bigger than your goals for retirement. And so we're gonna, we're gonna pray for people. And uh, I'm gonna ask, we've got overseers, Estelle, Sean, we've got, we've got Terrence, Tim. We've got people who are gonna pray for you now. But when you come up to be prayed for, a lot of that prayer will probably be Lord, I'm going to let go of my worldly goals to grab onto your eternal riches. And if you will pray that, He will set you free indeed. He will begin a process of free indeed. So Heavenly Father, I pray your grace comes onto this service, God, that you begin to explode people out of bondage and hopelessness and emptiness and you bring them into your joy as they look back and see your faithfulness and the 
just the cord of gold that you're putting into them. Lord, shape us into a new reality, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you want prayer, come to the front. If you want to sit there, you're welcome. Otherwise, have coffee.